Thanks for checking out the Crossing College and Career podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you and challenges you to walk confidently in your identity in Christ. What is going on, everybody? How are you guys doing tonight? So those are some of my favorite commercials. I love those Snickers commercials. And if you guys haven't guessed, there's been a word that's been floating around. So Natalia, our worship team, Cole, that message. What we're going to be talking about tonight is transformation. I thought that was the coolest thing to show a little funny video about how transformation we sometimes, I think, wish it happened. Like, I would love to eat a Snickers and be who, like, God told me I was going to be. I wish it was that easy, but it's not. But what I wanted, God laid a specific word on my heart, and it was about transformation. And he led me down that path and then led me down another path, which we're going to talk about tonight, what leads to it. But I want to ask you guys the same question that Cole did. I mean, who here wants to walk out of this place? Who came here to leave the same? Let me ask that. Hopefully no one's hands go up. That's good. Good. Perfect. We all come to church to be transformed. Nobody wants to leave the same way they came in. It doesn't make any sense. There's no point in it at all. We all want to grow. So there's a reason for you coming here. But a lot of the times, can you agree with me that transformation, it doesn't seem to happen like the Bible tells us it's going to? If you've read anything in the Bible at all about transformation, we're supposed to be these completely new creatures, completely new people. The old has passed away, and we're not even supposed to be tempted by what we did in the past. But I'm talking, and specifically in the church is what I'm talking about, and myself included, what you see around you, do you see transformation? Y'all can say yes or no. I want you guys to participate. I'm not going to preach at you tonight. I really want this to be like a conversation because I think God didn't want me to come up here and just like teach from a platform. He has a simplistic message that he wants to get across to you tonight. And if you're hungry enough and you position yourself in the right way, I think God is literally going to transform your life tonight. So let me ask you again, who here wants to leave this place transformed? Do you believe that you can leave here transformed? All right, we'll work on that. So when we talk about transformation, actually, let's pray real quick. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for every single person that's in here, God. Thank you for bringing everyone, volunteers, servant leaders, all the students, God. I thank you for every person here. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you enter our hearts, into our minds, consume us. I pray that no one leaves here the same way they walked in, God. I pray that we have such an experience with you that we can't help but talk about it when we leave. So God, show yourself to us, reveal yourself to us tonight. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. So when we talk about transformation, I think we throw the word around a lot, but I think it's a pretty serious word. So what transformation entails is you being completely different. Like your nature, your character, every single thing about you is different. And it's not a temporary change. This is something that doesn't come with a feeling or an emotion. This is a permanent change that settles inside of you and decides who you are. This is who you're going to be from now on. That's what I think transformation is. And if you think about the transformational points in your life. I want you to think about like a transformational point in your life. 
And I want you to think about what you felt at that time and how you were transformed. I think if you take a deep look and you look at the root of what really transformed you, I guarantee you most of the time it has to do with love. See, I think love has the power to transform us. There's other factors involved, but I think the number one main thing that can transform us is love. And I think when it comes to God's love, he wants us to understand that, and I think that's when transformation happens, is really understanding what God's love means. And we're gonna dive into that tonight, and I'm gonna read a lot of scripture so I need you guys to hone in with me. I'm gonna check in with you every once in a while. But like I said before, if you hone in and you really open your heart and you take these words on the screen for what they are and you go home and you study and you reflect on them, I promise you God will transform your life. It's not gonna not happen. So I really, really want you guys to hone in. Good? Good. So before we get into love, I'm gonna read you guys a couple verses from Ephesians that link love to transformation. So pull up those first verses, Ephesians 3. Nailed it. So this is Paul praying to, um, to God about the church of Ephesus. So Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, so out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power. How is he gonna strengthen us with power? Through his spirit. And where at? In our inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So how does that happen? It's through our faith. So we have to play a part in this. It's not some magical switch. We have to have the faith. And that's how that comes into play. We good? We good? Good. So Paul says, I pray that you, every single one of you, this applies to us too, being rooted and established in love may have power. That's when we get power. When you're rooted and established in love, that means you understand what God's love is. So I pray, you being rooted and established in love, that you may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So I'll stop right there for a second. How do you understand something that surpasses knowledge? Believe it. I like you. Faith, believing it. That's exactly it. You have to have the faith. It tells us right here to have the faith. So it surpasses knowledge. That means, yeah, there's a time and a place to study the Hebrew, study the Greek, dive into who the church, which church he was talking to, all these different things. There's a time and a place. But what this is saying is like, I'm not gonna be able to stand up here on this platform, neither is anybody else, and be able to beat it into your head and intellect take over and you be able to understand it. That's not how it works. So it's through faith, it's through believing. So going on, and then look what happens. Once you're rooted and established in love and you have that power, this is what we get. It says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That sounds like transformation to me. If you're filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, everything God has to offer you, there's no way you can be the same person. It's impossible. It's impossible. But when I read this, it like floored me, just these three verses. So he's praying this prayer that 
out of God's glorious riches, he's going to strengthen us with power, where in our, spirit, in our inner being by his spirit. He wants us to have faith. He wants us to be rooted and established in love, giving us power. And then we're going to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Like, that's amazing. If you can take that and believe that, that will change your life. Guaranteed. But when is the last time you prayed something like that, to be honest? Have you ever? When I, like, God convicted me on that, he's like, what are you praying about every day for, you know, the college and career ministry? I want, I want to see students change. I want to see students come out here. I want to see, you know, I want to see my dad come to know the Lord. I want to see my brother come to know the Lord. I want to see, I want, you know, Tom to stop smoking. Whatever you pray for, you know, I want, like, Katie to stop being so promiscuous, going out to the club, like, praying for my friends. Like, we all have, like, a Katie in our life to where she's, like, at McDenton's happy hour, and then on Snapchat, and then the next day she's like at church, like, blessed to be a blessing. <laughs> like, Katie, we know where you were. <laughs> you know what I'm saying though? Like, those, we pray these prayers for people, and they're surface level. They're so surface level, but when we live something like this out that Paul is talking about, the Holy Spirit's doing the work in us. We just have the faith. Like, he's given us the power. We're not really doing much work, but like I said, there is some. We have to have the faith, and we have to believe. And so when we're living it out, it's through our faith that we get the power to have that transformed life. But when we try and do it on our own, and we try and transform ourselves, like, what do we do? Even as a church, like when you go to church, and by all means, we need these programs, we need everything. The Crossing does a phenomenal job at every single ministry we have. They're perfect, but when you let the ministry and the people around you helping you take the place of God, that's when it's an issue. So what do we do? We set up programs, we set up events, we set up causes, we set up, what do you get? what's the first thing you get? An accountability partner. Like you need an accountability partner so you don't sin anymore. And so then you put your worth in your accountability partner, and you say, okay, well, I'm going to meet with them. And then if they can't meet up, you're like, well, it's not my fault that I couldn't meet up with her, so I just fell back into my sin, and it's not my issue. I couldn't help it because they weren't there for me. And what we do with these programs is we just try and keep people from not sinning. So it's like, let me keep you away from the world. Let me keep you away from temptation. Let me invite you to this potluck. Let me invite you to this gathering. Let me, just like we're at tonight. But I'm saying we're replacing that with the love of God. We're just doing all these things surface level, and we're not addressing the root. We're addressing the symptom of what the problem is. So when are we going to stop addressing the symptoms of what the problem is and address the root, which is the love of God, us not having that love of God. And I was a big person like to blame others, but thank God the Lord got a hold of my heart and said, this is not on them, this is on you. Don't blame anybody else for where you're at and your devotion and your dedication to me. And that's a real thing that I had to come to terms with with God. So when we talk about love, how would you guys define it? Do you think, let me ask you this, do you think the world we live in today does a good job at portraying what love is? Terrible. Who said that? 
But we really do. We like, we overuse and like, it's such a watered down word. Like, what do you love? Like, I love chubbies. I love wearing chubbies. Like, they just opened a store, by the way, an international mall on Friday. I'm so stoked. I may, I don't know. Y'all may not see me. I may apply for a job. But we say, like, I love what I love. I love, like, I love wearing chubbies. I love pizza. Whatever you love, I love hanging out with my friends. I love this music. I love whatever. It's so watered down. It means nothing. No wonder why we can't understand what God's love is because we love everything. <laughs> like, who's the friend that you have who, like, meets somebody and then, like, three days later, like, dude, I, I think she's the one. I'm pretty sure I'm in love. Or vice versa. Girls do the same thing. Y'all are just a little more crazy with it. But you have those friends who are like, I cheese the one. We're like, dude, she just broke up with somebody for you two days before that. Like, you're not in love. But we've watered the down, we've watered down the word. And I think the perfect way, like the way I see love really, which is portrayed to us, is people, we have a tendency to love conditionally. So if you do this or you do that or you treat me right, then I'll give you my love. And if you're not giving me what I need, then I'll find somebody else. I think that's directly correlated with why the divorce rate's like so insane. Like people, like more than 50% of people who get married get divorced. It's because people aren't satisfied and as soon as they're not getting what they need from somebody else, they find another, and then they find another, and then they find another. I'm not saying every single case is like that. I understand there's some cases where that happens. But there's no reason more than half the people who get married should be divorced. There's no reason. And it's an issue with love and not understanding love and it being watered down. In 2 Timothy 3, it talks about in the last days, men are going to be lovers of self, lovers of money. They're not going to love at all. They're going to be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And in 2 Timothy, he's addressing like people in the church. This isn't even people who say, like, I don't believe. These are people who are saying they're believers. And that's the type of love they have. And I think it's the same in the church today, too. And they say that those people in the church, they're just neglecting the power when they're doing that that God's trying to give them. So you're basically pushing it away. And that's people in the church. It boggles my mind because it still happens today. And especially that one lovers of self, like that really gets to me. Because we live in like the most narcissistic culture of all time. What do we do all day, every day? What are you on? Your phone, that's a good start. You're on Snapchat, you're on Instagram. You know, on Facebook. I'm not saying these things are like from the devil. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't really use them. I'm not a big fan of social media, but they can be used for good. I completely agree. There's a time and a place. But if you, we've normalized, if you think about it, 20 years ago, if you said, hey, one day people are going to like create pages on the internet, entire pages, it's just going to be full of themselves, all pictures of themselves, nobody else, just them. They're going to be taking selfies of each other. What? Someone would have said, are you psycho? That's not, there's no way that could happen. But we do it. Like I said, there's a time and a place for it. I'm not saying this is evil, but you get so consumed with yourself 
that before you know it, you don't even realize like what you're pushing away that God's trying to give you. Like your mind is so clouded, there's a veil over your eyes to where you can't see. But I, the selfie mentality is awful. I have a hilarious clip that I'm gonna show you guys to lighten the mood a little bit, give y'all a break. But this guy describes like a selfie so perfectly and this is me. Trey tried to get me to do this. I didn't think I would do it justice so I'm gonna show you the video. But I love the way this guy describes selfie. Can you throw that video up, Russell? are you doing? I love that part. He's so right. Like, that's exactly how I see it. And I'm glad I showed you that clip because obviously you guys enjoyed that. But we're like full of ourselves, right? And when you're full of self, God's definitely not going to fill you with him. The Bible tells us to deny ourselves. If we try and preserve our life, we're not going to get anything from it. It's only when we lose our life for God that he can give us him. And until you get to that point, there's there's no point in trying. Like, if you're trying to hold on to something of yourself, stop asking God. Like, realistically, it sounds harsh, but, like, stop asking God for, to fill you with him if you're not willing to die to yourself and your own desires, your own motivations, your own whatever you want for your life because it's not going to happen. There's not room for him if you are full of yourself. Sound good? See, God's love is different. God's love is not like people's. God's love is unconditional, what I mean by that is God is not asking for you to do anything for him. It's not works related. There's, God loved you before the creation of this world. God loved you while you were in your sin. God loved you while you were in your sin, recognizing you need to go to God, but still kept sinning, slapping, slap in the face. God loves you when you're doing right. He loves you when you're worshiping him. He loves you when you have a good heart. He loves you when you're giving, but he loves you in the worst days of your life too. So take the pressure off. Can everybody breathe? Take the pressure off. What you're doing and not doing is not influencing his love for you. It's not. We put so much pressure on ourselves to receive God's love. Let me do, do, do. Or let me not do, not do, not do because it makes me more holy. That's not the point. That's not the point of all. So let's talk about God's love, defining love. Pull up 1 John 4. So this, when I said I want you guys to hone in, this is really where I need you to concentrate. I know when people read scripture, we can zone out. I'm not even gonna preach about this. I'm gonna let God's word do its thing. If you guys read this and let it sink in, God will work. 
So it says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love doesn't know God. Simple enough, right? Why is that, though? Because God is love. I think so often we try and, like, compartmentalize, like, what we do for God. So I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to do my quiet time, and this is my quiet time with God, and then I'm, oh, here's some temptation, here's some sin. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sin. Um, I need to worship God, and then here, let me get God's love over here. And we're, like, putting all these different compartments of how we're going to, like, worship God or, like, do the right thing that day. This is God is love means literally once you have God, you have love. Stop searching. You have it. He is love. It is simple. And so it goes on to say, this is how God showed his love among us. So what did God do to show he loved us? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, so not what you did, God knew before we were born that we were going to be born into Adam, born into sin, distant from him, removed from him, and completely unworthy. He knew that. So there's nothing we did. It says not that we loved, but that he loved us. So he loved us before we did anything. But that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. His son, Jesus, he is the reason why we can access God's love he took our sin on the cross for us. Every single thing we've ever done or ever will do took it so we could have God's love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That's amazing. How is his love made complete in us? We gotta love others. We have to love people. This is not me saying, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put up with Julian. I guess I'll go to a small group with him. I guess I'll hang out with him and I'll say I love him and I'll go help him when he needs to move and I'll do all these things. We're gonna read a verse in a little bit that talks about us literally, God linking us, my love for Julia, my love for Mackenzie, my love for Cassie, my love for each and every single one of you guys to how the Father and the Son are one. It's not just putting up and tolerating someone, it is unconditional love he wants us to show each other, and that is how love is made complete in us. So yeah, you can receive God's love all day long, but if you're not giving it, don't expect more. He wants us to love one another, and when we do, his love is made complete. So going on to verse 16, we're gonna skip a couple verses. It says, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. What's it say again? God is love. When they were writing the Bible, they didn't have like exclamation points and all these things. When you're reading the Bible and you're frustrated because they're repeating themselves, that means the author was trying to emphasize something. They didn't have like punctuation. When something's stated twice or three times or four times, that means pay attention to this is what the author was saying. So he says it again. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Who wants God to live in them? 
This is how love is made complete among us, so we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Wow. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. That's why we love, is because God loved us first. And what do we get from that? There's so many things the Bible says once we love God that all good things are given to those who love God according to his purpose in Romans. We can get so many tangible things from God, but we don't do it. We don't love God for what we can get. Loving Christ is valuing Christ. And I want to read Philippians 3.8. says, what is more, I consider this, this is love. Concentrate on this. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. If someone comes and talks to you about a girl or a guy like that, I would say, yeah, dude, you're probably in love. Everything on earth, my father, my mother, my brother, my sister, my job, my income, whatever I want for my life, complete garbage if I don't have Christ. I don't even want to look at it. That is love. And that is where God wants us to get with him. That everything else is complete garbage. It is worthless because I don't have you. And I want to show you how the love of Christ affects those around us. And we're going to talk about that in December, how once you're transformed, you can transform those around you. But pull up John 17. This is what I was talking about, that verse that wants us to be one. His prayer says, I want all of them to be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Do you know how close God the Father and God the Son are? They're pretty tight. Pretty tight. He says, that's what I want for them, God. God, can you please, 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 God, show them your love so that they may love one another, that they may not just put up with each other, but that they may be one just like you and me, God. That's what I want. That's amazing. But I don't see it at all. I don't practice it. God put me up here to talk about this because he convicted me about it. That's why I'm here talking to you guys because I'm not doing it. But boy, has he opened my eyes. And that's what I'm here to do. Like I said, I don't want this to be a preaching or a teaching moment. I want this to be a conversation to say, this is what God is doing in my life, and he wants you on board. He wants you to feel the same way. He wants you to have that compassion for other people so that the world, so listen at the end of this verse, he talks about us sharing in his glory so that we may be um, brought to complete unity. He says, after that happens, then the world, so not just the church, the world, will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Once we love other people like that, and then the world around us starts to see it, they're going to be like, man, there is something weird about them, but it's attractive and I want it. It's going to seem like foolishness, but people are going to be attracted to it. And it could literally change the atmosphere, change the culture, change the 
entire environment of Tampa Bay, Florida, the nation. I'm not kidding. Because God's word says it's so. But we've got to understand his love, that God is love. Use that love that he gives us to give to other people. Like I said, if you're not pouring out, he's not giving you more. You pour out the exact gift. It's nothing that's coming from inside you. Like, you have to understand that. It's not like, oh, man, I'm going to have to give more of my love. Like, this is something God is giving you, and you're just giving it right back to him and other people. If you take that mentality and look at it through that lens, this is something that's not even mine to begin with. Why am I trying to hold on to it for myself? Give it back. And God's going to fill you up so much more. I promise you, he's going to fill you up so much more if you take that approach. See, the grounds of our love is seeing the glory of God like this verse talks about, bringing us in glory, sharing in the glory, understanding that we share in that same exact glory and then loving others with the very love of God. And that's what love is. But there's hindrances, I found, to why we can't receive it. And I'm gonna go over these really quick. But I believe there's three main hindrances we have to receiving God's love. The first one is our expectation of what we think his love should be. So we have a tainted view of love. We've already talked about it because of the world and where we live and just what's circulating every single day on social media for the most part, TV, whatever it is, people around you. But we have a tainted view of love. We've confused love with pretty much lust, to be honest with you. It's instant gratification. What can I get out of it? Sex isn't love. Desire isn't love. Attraction isn't love. None of these things are love. First John 4 says, God is love. So stop letting your view that the world has and is planted in you tell you what love is and don't let don't mistake infatuation for love either because something's shiny something's glimmering something caught your eye what happens when the feelings and the emotions aren't there anymore feelings and emotions are fickle they're gonna they're gonna come and go all the time don't ever 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 mistake that for love don't ever 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 mistake that for love so our expectation, that can totally hinder us from receiving God's love. So get rid of your expectation of what you think it is and get in God's word and look at what he says it is. Take that as truth, believe it. The second thing, shame and sin. This was my main hindrance, I think. How many of you guys wake up? So I've woken up after... A night, and this was when I was in the world still, but a night of just going out, doing what I wasn't supposed to be doing. Wake up, and your immediate thought is like disgust, guilt, just get it off of me. But then, like, I went immediately into the same thing, like, a couple hours later. But that's because I didn't know what God's love was. I wasn't rooted. I wasn't grounded. I didn't, couldn't comprehend it because the veil was over my eyes. But how many of you guys wake up, and you think about your problems, like you think about why you're not good enough or what you've done to where God doesn't want to redeem that. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so you don't have to worry about it. It's done, it's taken care of. Like I said, take a deep breath. He's taken care of it. So don't ever let your shame or your sin hinder you from receiving what God has for you. The end product of that is just, it's a repetitive cycle of 
it being in your memory, and then you wake up, it's in your memory. Okay, that's a memory of the past. I'm not going to do that. How can I not sin today? What can I do to receive God's love and read my Bible a little bit more? Your, I mean, your past is just going to become your future. <laughs> like, it all ties into one when you have that thought process and that mentality. You have to fix that and realize that there's hope. And that's in Jesus and in God's love. It's rooted and established in God's love. And then the third one, there's trust. I'm just going to read Romans 8, 38, 39. Do you have that? This is the epitome of, like, trusting God and his love. It says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, not height, not depth, not anything else in all of creation. There is nothing that will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like I said, I'm going to let it sit. You can take, there's two ways to approach like stuff like this when you hear it. You can sit where you're at and say, ah, I kind of believe it or I don't. And then you can walk out of here kind of feeling better, kind of not. Or you can take this and literally run with it and say, I'm going to plant that into my heart. It's going to be who I am. I'm never going to let anything in the world tell me God doesn't love me. You can believe it or not believe it. They're both the same thing. They're decisions that you have to make. So why not trust God and stop putting your trust in the world, your friends, your family, anything else besides him and besides planning something like that in your heart to say there's nothing that's going to separate me from that love. I'm never going back to not feeling loved. It's a decision and you've got to have faith and you've got to believe. The Holy Spirit's going to do his work, but you've got to do your part too. And so I'm going to close here. I'm going to land the plane for us. You guys are so patient. I love you guys. But we understand now what God's love is, where it comes from, why we do it. There's hindrances, obviously, that we have to God's love. But pull up Ephesians again. This is, this is what I want you guys to take away from this, that same verse that we read, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. I'm going to read it again. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you guys want to be filled to the fullness of the measure, God? You want everything he has. Here's how you can start practicing love is being intentional. You have to have an expectancy. You have to want it and believe it's going to happen. And then you've got to go out and you've got to do it. Be intentional. And it begins with letting God's love for you fill up everything that you're trying to replace it with. Anything that's empty inside that you're trying to fill it up with, whatever you do outside of here, I promise you I did it all. <laughs> Pretty much everything you could do. Not the best, but God showed me that, dude, there, keep trying all you want. There's nothing 
that's gonna fill you like I can. To your need to be loved is met as you understand that your identity is in God. That's when, because we all have a need, like we have a need to be loved. God doesn't need to be loved, we, but we, we were born to be loved by a perfect father. And once that meets with us knowing that who we are is in Christ, that's how that happens. And that's what gives you value and significance. Nothing else you try and find it in. That is the only thing that can give you value, to be honest. Knowing you're loved by the one true God, him giving you the ability to give that love back to others and then him return it tenfold. Because he's not a God that leaves you hanging. He never will. We get love by giving it away. I want you guys to take that practical part of it. We know what God's love is, but really, when you start to give that to other people, that's when you see God really just move in your life. When you start to give it like you're gonna not get it back because it's not yours to begin with. Can you guys agree with me that once that happens, there's no way you're not gonna be transformed? There's no way. Then you can start living out the life that it talks about, 2 Corinthians 517, where we're new creatures, we're completely new people. Like that's the transformation that it's talking about. We're completely new. And once that happens, you're gonna be so consumed by God that the environment around you is gonna change, the people are gonna change. And that's what we're gonna talk about next month. So you guys come back December 16th for our next service because I'm gonna talk about how once you're transformed, how that affects the environment around you and how you can transform literally how people act in your city because of the love you show for others. And people are gonna be so attracted to that. Like I said, when people see me, this is what I want. I want someone to say, man, that guy is filled to all the fullness of God, filled completely up. I don't wanna be remembered for somebody who came here and was a great preacher, a great teacher, somebody who had a cool ministry, did, did this, that, or the other, a good husband, a good whatever. I want someone to say, man, there's something different about that guy. He's like off his rocker, like weird. He is filled to all the fullness of God. Everything God has to offer, that guy has it, and I want it. I don't want anything else. That's what I want to live for. I want people to want what I have, and what I have is not even mine. God can give it to anybody. And that's what I want to show people, is, man, that guy is full of love. And it's something that's not even his, it's God's. When you receive that word, you're gonna stop living in fear. There's gonna be no anxiety. You're not gonna people please anymore. You're not gonna be worried about what other people are thinking about you. You're gonna be so consumed with God's love that you have nothing to do but pour it out. Like I wanna overflow. I want there to be nothing left in me and me be completely full of God. But you've got to get to the point where you say, you know what, I see where this world's going and I'm not going with it. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be transformed. And I'm going to be transformed by God's love. So we're going to make this practical. And I want every single person in this room to pray this simple prayer with me. I want you to say, God, Can you demonstrate your love to me? 
in a way I can understand. And I want you to sit and let God work. And if you don't feel anything, that's completely fine. If you do, listen to the nudge the Holy Spirit's giving you. But if you don't, I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to go and pray that prayer every single day until you get something. Because God's going to show up if you've got an earnest heart and you're truly seeking him for who he is, giving up yourself. So I'm never going to leave this stage without giving us the opportunity to accept Lord as Lord of our lives. So what that is, is recognizing Jesus died on the cross for you so you can have eternal life with him. So I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord, I recognize I'm a sinner. I repent and I pray for forgiveness. Save me, God. Teach me your ways so I can follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out the Crossing Church Message podcast with Pastor Greg Dumas. Once again, thank you so much for listening.